The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. We're joined by world-renowned singer-songwriter John Gorka. He began in the coffee house scene, a place called the Godfrey Daniels up in Pennsylvania. Rolling Stone once called him the preeminent male singer-songwriter of the new folk music. He's released an album, True in Time, on Red House Records, and his songs have been covered by the likes of Mary Chapin Carpenter, Nancy Griffith, just to name a few. It's great to have you here. Well, thank you for having me on. Our pleasure. So, what has always been the purpose with the art that you create? I think, for me, music has been my way to uh, become a more uh, social person, a more com- maybe a more complete person. Because I've, I've always been shy and uh, socially awkward. Uh, so music was the way to, to, to connect with people I wasn't able to connect with uh, without music. This is album, is it 14 or 15? I think it's 14, yeah. There's a, there a, a record called Pure John Gorka, which was kind of a, like a, uh, a collection of, of music from my time at Wyndham Hill High Street Music. So through the years with you releasing these albums, has the purpose behind recording them changed in any ways? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it has changed. It seems like uh, I try to, I, I guess of the three things I do, I write songs, I play play music for people in, in the live uh, live situations and uh, recording. So the recording is, is probably the thing I've, I've had the least number of hours doing, but I think the purpose is, is trying to catch something, something special, uh, maybe even the, the moment of creation in the recording studio. Sometimes when I, I play something best, it's the first time I play it. So if we can, can can capture that kind of that moment moment of creation, that's that's the I guess the uh, that's the aim. I hmm. think. Is it intimidating to make a record to make something that's so permanent? Uh that's you know it's it's one of those things. It's um, it's it's just kind of like scary fun. You know, it's I I, I try to. Uh, it's it's scary in the fact that um, you you like with this record. We we had scheduled to do almost everything on the um, in three days with with the musicians, and so that that's it was kind of a lot of pressure going into it uh, to have you know uh, to to you know have these have the studio and and the musicians kind of um, setting aside setting aside their time in order to uh, help me make a record. But uh, I, I'm no, I'm paying for that time. Last few records, I've tried to uh, have my own label and then license license the record to uh, Red House Records. Uh, so that means there's more financial pressure on me to uh, to I have to pay more to uh, to make the records. But at least I own the masters. 
that's because all the records I did for Wyndham Hill High Street Records, I don't I don't have the the rights to. I don't have the I don't own the masters. So, and they don't, those they don't even manufacture uh, the CDs anymore. And one of them is not even available through download. So, so it's kind of my the, a newer way of doing things. But at least I'm, I own the masters. Mm-hmm. Well, the title track of this album, True in Time. What does that mean to you? Uh, I was I was thinking it could mean a number of things. I liked it liked it as a title, but it could be true something that will c- come true eventually, or or, if, or something that can can true come true in the nick of time. And also, there's one other one. Let's see if I can remember what what I what it was. Uh, oh, true in and in time in terms of like uh, rhythm or tempo. Is it true in in uh does it scan does does the uh is it in uh i guess in uh does it does it have a rhythm hmm is there a favorite song from this album uh i i think probably the, i guess maybe Mennonite girl is maybe my favorite there's other ones like the, i uh, the, my favorite track is probably tattooed because I love the sounds on that, and I love the the solo of the keyboard um, solo and the uh, pedal steel solo. That because that cause this was made, you know, like the old-fashioned way with everybody playing and me singing with everybody, and to have have that have those guys come up with those those uh, those parts and and be a part of that was was pretty something it was something special. So I would say Mennonite Girl for the song and. Uh, uh, tattooed for the track. I want you to take us back a little bit. You mentioned that you were pursuing music kind of as a, a way of communicating with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you started out, what did you think about the moments before you appeared in front of a, a crowd for the very first time? Was it nerve wracking? What were you thinking about when, how did that feel? Oh, it's, 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 it was nerve wracking then, it's nerve wracking now. It's, it's never been, it's never been anything else. <laughs> but what makes you do it? I think I was drawn toward, to performing more than I was comfortable doing it. And then over time, I've kind of, uh, come to terms with my own, uh, discomfort. And, uh, and it's, I, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's, I think it's what I've always wanted to do. When I when I first saw the performers I saw at Godfrey Daniels, I felt like they were their music was great, and uh, even if even if they weren't the the best known or playing the biggest rooms, they could really make magic in a in a in a coffee house. And that's I, I felt like if I could be like one of the people who plays here, then that would be the the best thing. You know the late rock and roll frontman and singer Greg Allman from the Allman Brothers Band. He- mm-hmm. He said all of the many, many shows that he did in front of huge crowds, he never, ever stopped being nervous the moment mm-hmm. before. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> the less, less few minutes before us. Then once you, once I'm out there and I can, um, I played a, f- a few songs and I, I kind of can settle down and, and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and enjoy playing 
Well, what's the most gratifying thing about performing? Well, it's, I think some of my friend Cheryl Wheeler said, uh, uh, you know, it's 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 a pretty good job if, if people clap for you when you show up for work and when they <laughs> clap for when you're done at the end of your day. So that's <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty great. One of the incredible things about this path that you have chosen as a singer, songwriter, entertainer, you get to encounter people that they're legends. I want you to tell us maybe a story or two about some of the folk legends that you have encountered on the road. Uh, let's see. I've gotten to, uh, oh, for my my first record, uh, Dave Van Ronk wrote the liner notes for that. And he was one of the people who, uh, everything kind of, for me, started at Godfrey Daniels. And I, um, people I opened shows for, for open doors for me in other, other parts of the country. And, uh, opening for Jack Hardy at, at, um, Godfrey Daniels in, uh, June of 79. And then again in, I think January of 84, I became a part of the, the New York fest folk scene. And I got to be around a lot of really, really talented people who were from my generation. And there was also people from the earlier generation, Tom Paxton and, and Dave Van Ronk, who really took an interest in the, and the, the new people, the uh, younger people who were coming up and that were very, very encouraging. So that, that was, that was a pretty, um, that was meant something special to me. And also, I'm, um, I'm a part of the Swananoa gathering on the Contemporary Folk Week this, this year for the first time. And, uh, and Tom Paxton is going to be there. I think, I mean, I think maybe Janice Ian as well. So to be able to hang out with people like that. Who've had so much experience and, and are so generous with their time for for uh, you know people who are who are kind of finding their way. Those those are a couple I'd say. Uh, some other I guess of other you know people I, I've gotten to meet along the way. I, I got to um, well this was when I was in school. I got to got to uh, meet uh, Furry Lewis in Memphis and. Um, also later on in the, in the a couple times I got to meet Pop Staples in uh, at, at uh, various folk festivals and uh, that's really something to me especially Pop Staples who who knew some of the original folk blues people you know people who go back met the people at the beginning of, of the kind of music that I I became interested in and what I that I I continue to draw inspiration from uh so probably meeting pop staples um was uh, one of the one of the high points for me you just mentioned a moment ago tom paxton one mm -hmm. of the one of the great folk artists of all time yeah i'm just curious because i'm a fan of his what is he like when you meet him up close oh he's he's super nice he's very very funny and can be irreverently irreverently so but he's just a, a great person. He's uh, he's very generous with his. You know, if he if he likes your music, he'll tell people he'll tell people about it. And uh, he's very generous and uh, just continues to. Um, I guess he was talking about retiring, but uh, I think doing shows with Don Don Henry and and uh, John Besner with uh, Don Juan has kept him uh, kept him having fun.
<laughs> with music. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to them for that. And at the moment, you're in New York City? No, I'm, I'm in uh, back home in Minnesota. I got home last night. Okay, but you were in New York. Yeah, I played in New York on Monday night. How did that go? It was great. It was a really a nice night. It was a place called the City Vineyard. There's a there's a bunch of uh, I guess several places around the country now called the City Winery, and they have and there's a I guess City Winery in New York City was the first one. They've got a kind of a smaller uh, venue right right along uh, Pier 26 on the Hudson River side of uh, of the West Side Highway, and uh, that was my first time playing there. It was it was just a it's a beautiful place. They had very good sound, and it was a, a sold out show on a Monday night, and uh, so it was a very very uh, very nice experience. Does going out on the road, the travel aspect of it, does it is it still exciting or is it more of a grind? Well, the traveling can be a challenge. You know, the uh, the shows. Uh, when I get to the shows, uh, uh, I'm I'm always grateful. Uh, but but the the, uh, the the traveling can be a can be a real challenge, and that's that's not always fun. When you're writing songs, do you prefer to write by yourself, or do you prefer co-writing? I think uh, I'm, I'm by myself most of the time, so it's it's easier for me to. Uh, to write on my own, I, I, and I, I enjoy doing that. It's it's one of my favorite places to be is in the middle of a song, you know, knowing it's 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 underway and it, I'm at, and there's a certain point of inevitability where it's just a matter of kind of uh, dotting I's and crossing T's before it's done. But that, that's my favorite place to be in the is in the middle of a song. So I like bo- doing both, but I tend to uh, tend to write more on my own. Hmm. We have a listener, Kevin Hooper, and he's a lover of your music. And I wanted to ask you about your fans. Uh huh. When you meet them, what is that experience like when somebody, they have this connection to you? Oh, yeah. It's, I'm very, very grateful for that. You know, I don't, it's not something I take for granted at all. I'm very, uh, very happy when, uh, when, when my music finds a place in their lives, it, there's, there's no better thing. What's the best compliment someone has given you? Uh, have you lost weight? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, let's see. I'm trying to think. What's the, uh, I, oh, I don't know. Uh, that, that's, I'm not sure if I could, I'm not sure if there's any, any one thing that comes to mind. Maybe there's a touching thing that somebody told you. Like a fan. Oh, that happens a, a lot. The, um, where a song, like uh, I saw a stranger with your hair. It's a song that was on my first record, and it's often requested. And I remember, it, you know, I, I thought it was kind of as a more of like a romantic song, that kind of a love song. But I remember the first time um, somebody came up to me in in Salt Lake City and they said that song remi- reminded her of. When she heard that song, she would think of her son who had who had died not long before, and uh, and just in the, when people tell me what the songs mean to them, you know, it, it kind of expands my idea of what what that song is, and uh, and it makes it easy for me to sing night after night because it's I realize it's a it's not just my song, it's not just a, a song from my little life, it's it's a, it's a part of a part of others' lives as well, and, uh, and I, have, I have to respect that, and uh, I'm grateful uh, 
for that. Is there anyone out there that you haven't worked with that you would like to? Oh, there's probably tons of people. I think it would be, it might be fun to write a song with Bob Dylan, but, uh, uh, but I, I, I'm not counting on that happening. <laughs> I guess that would be intimidating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. What's the hardest thing about being an artist? Oh, uh, I guess probably be, being away from home. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, as, as a traveling musician, that's, I don't get to, the rest of the family doesn't get to, to travel enough and I get to travel too much. I was talking to this songwriter based out of Nashville. John Goodwin is his name. Mm-hmm. Great writer. And I was telling him about what I thought some of his songs, what the, what I thought the inspiration or not, not mm-hmm. inspiration, but what I thought they meant. Right. <laughs> and time after time he was saying, I really like your take on that. Mm-hmm. I, I like that, but no, <laughs> that's not what oh, that's- it's about. Oh, it's, it's, it, you know, the, the listener completes the song because they bring in their life experience and, uh, point of view to the, to hearing the song. So that, uh, I don't, there's, there's, I think there's a, a thousand, you know, valid interpretations or as many interpretations of, as there are listeners out there. So I don't, you know, I, sometimes I talk about what may have spurred a song, uh, I, I brought it on, but, um, but I don't, I, I try not to, to talk about what the song means because because the the listener will 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 find the meaning and uh and and, and, and make it a part of their lives or not hmm you know at the top of the interview when I was mentioning a couple of the artists who have covered your work iconic artists mm-hmm. who do you think and this might be putting you on the spot but who did the best interpretation of a John Gorka song uh, well, Mary Chapin Carpenter never recorded any of my songs, but she, she sang, uh, my song Flying Red Horse live, I guess, a, a, a time or two. And, uh, so, uh, and I got, there was a festival where I got to hear her, she played it for me backstage, her, her version of it. It was, it was great to hear, hear her voice, on um, singing that song. I think there's a recent one that I, did, I found out about, but it's actually an older recording. It was because it was, it was a live recording of a, a Peter, Paul, and Mary concert where Mary Travers sings my song, uh, Semper Fi, about my dad. Wow. A song from, about my dad. And, and which is which, a very kind of a neat thing just to hear again, hear, hear that voice singing my words about, about my dad. And also that the first time I remember the first time my dad asked me to sing, you know, I was probably five or so. He asked me to sing "Puff the Magic Dragon," hmm. and uh, which is a Peter Paul and Mary song. So it's a, a kind of there's a kind of a big circle there. Absolutely, that's so cool. <laughs> wow, what is it that you like about folk music? Uh, I think I, f- I feel like folk music can be about any any part of a person's life. It's not just a song that will be the most commercial. Uh, it can be about any aspect of a person's life. I think that's probably the the, the, the thing that that did it to me. Uh, Jack Hardy said his definition of folk music was where the song is more important than the singer. Hmm. And, and I would go, go for that as as the the, the the listener 
is a, is as at least as important as the as the artist, if not more so. Hmm. One of the great things about communication today is you just can reach people beyond, you know, something can go on the radio, but then somebody outside of the range of that station can hear it. Yeah. So we just don't know who will listen to this interview. Right. Yeah. No, it's uh, that's that's the kind of the magic of radio. Yeah. But for that person who's listening, whoever they might be, very open-ended, what would you say to them? You can say whatever you want. Well, I'm grateful for the time you've taken to, to listen to my music. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Even if I, I never meet you or even if, not, if I never come to your town. And, uh, I guess this isn't, this isn't really what, what you ask, but in terms of like sometimes people will ask if I have any advice for, for the people coming up. And it's a very different world, you know, the music business. So I, I'm not sure if, if what, Anything I have to say is 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 um, has any value, but I think uh, high standards, low overhead, and realistic expectations <laughs> is, is, the, is the way to approach the making music today. Wise wise words. The website is johngorka.com. G O R K A. Johngorka.com. How would you define John Gorka? Oh, uh, 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 I used to refer to myself as an intense white guy from New Jersey <laughs> because I was being listed as a contemporary singer-songwriter, and that, that seemed kind of boring. But I, I don't know. I, I think I don't know if I, if I am a folk singer or not, but uh, I'm a, a part of the folk world. I do see myself as a, a, as a, a part of a tradition of uh, people writing about their lives and about the world around them. But I don't know how. If, uh, I'm, 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 I would call myself a lucky person. Hmm. Well, I've really enjoyed this time that we've had. You really made me relax. Oh, oh, thanks a lot. That's very nice. Thanks a lot for for taking the time to do this. And I hope hope people will uh, will get to hear my music. And I hope that it finds a place in their lives. Well, thank you very much. Until next time. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. My, my pleasure. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time. <laughs>